Welcome to the Horror Babble Originals podcast. A Baker's Dozen at the Zetland Hotel by Ian Gordon Chapter 10 The Descent Annabel Marsh was exhausted. A Stamford, Lincolnshire resident, she'd left for the Zetland just after lunchtime allowing for a number of stops along the way. Nottingham, Doncaster, and North Allerton, each location presenting an opportunity to catch up with old friends. Her ultimate destination, the hotel on the red car on Cleveland coast, presented a very different kind of opportunity. The chance to enjoy a little bit of luxury in the middle of nowhere. Precisely what the forty-something needed. Why that particular hotel, she couldn't say. The place just kept on coming up, wherever she looked. Internet searches coughed it up, and her Stay North travel guide for December featured a two-page article on the place. It was fate, surely. In truth, though, she just wanted to get away for a couple of nights. The details didn't matter, so long as the place was clean. Annabel had had a tough year. Work had been arduous, thanks to a six-month-long investigation of her company. Marsh, Ryder, and James Limited, an accounting firm, had been accused of money laundering, with Annabel herself at the centre of the allegations. Despite her protestations to the contrary, the powers that be had been unyielding, resulting in a great deal of trepidation on her part. In the end, not a jot of damning evidence was uncovered, and so the case was dropped just prior to Christmas. A couple of nights at the Zetland Hotel would aid Annabel in her recovery somewhat. Its out-of-the-way situation was very appealing. No familiar faces, no accusatory voices. And so, after checking in to Suite 10 that evening, she ran herself a hot bath, perfumed with lavender, and lay there quietly, listening to the ebb and flow of the North Sea. But she was still a jumble. A couple of unusual occurrences were at the forefront of her mind. The hotelier, an altogether inconspicuous fellow by all accounts, had irritated her slightly by telling her that she mustn't, under any circumstances, disturb the guest in the room next to her. What did that mean, exactly? Did it mean that she shouldn't put the television on? Shouldn't listen to the radio? What precisely made this mystery guest so special? Granted, the guest was bound to have paid a premium to stay in the royal suite, but then her room hadn't been a steal either. The other thing that had bothered the forty-something, albeit in a much more subtle fashion, had been the sight of someone gawping at her as the hotelier had shown her to room ten. This person, hard to see in the gloom of the passageway, had looked a little peculiar to Annabel, all rigid and thin, like a statue, if truth be told. "'What's that?' Annabel had asked of the hotelier, and the inconspicuous fellow had answered cryptically, "'I imagine it's a sculpture, madam.' What had he meant by that? It either was or wasn't. 
Brushing these thoughts to one side, Annabel turned her attention to her glorious surroundings. The ensuite was a magnificent space, she thought. All monochrome, black and white floral wallpaper, grey floor tiles, granite basin. Lying there in the tub, she looked straight ahead at the black taps, touched them with her toes. The room was calming. Thoughts of recent traumas faded. And in the moments that followed, the descent began. Annabel Marsh had closed her eyes, had dozed off in the warm waters. At least, she thought that was what had happened. She slipped below the surface of the water and sank into the darkness beneath. But it wasn't a watery underworld into which she dropped. It was an insubstantial realm of shadow. She opened her eyes, but saw nothing at all, felt as though she were dreaming, succumbed to it. Further and further, she descended into the darkness, her awareness of such supported by the gentle sensation of being pulled downwards by invisible hands. But to where were the hands dragging her? There was no fear, no uncertainty whatsoever. She felt as one who dreams of impossible worlds, felt the excitement associated with the discovery of something fresh and novel. And then Annabel emerged from the realm of shadow, and found herself stretched upon a beach of pebbles. Looking about her, she saw a smattering of old boats, each battered and damaged beyond repair. The beach and the boats were enclosed by a dilapidated breakwater. She was at the centre of a small harbour. The forty-something was immediately taken by the silence. Not a gull could be heard, nor the waves beyond the harbour. The cloudless sky overhead was a light red, suggesting that wherever she was, it was either late in the day or early in the morning. She took a few tentative steps towards the nearest boat, a green and white coble with the name Elaine on its stern. She moved on to the next one, another coble, this one grey and white, with the name John on its bow. There were four boats in all, each one bearing a name, though one was inaccessible, an orangish vessel out on the stagnant waters. The name of this one was illegible. Only the faded letters H.I. remained. The fourth boat, a red and white coble with shattered windows, bore another obscured name. If only Annabel could make it out. Why she had been brought to this place, in her dreams or otherwise, the forty-something was uncertain, but she knew that it was significant. She'd always been exceptionally sensitive in certain regards, spiritual regards, she might say. She'd known to intervene when a madman with a knife threatened a stranger on a night out in Leicester, had felt instinctively that no harm would befall her. She'd seen the positive outcome to the recent investigation, was steadfast to the last— when others fell by the wayside. Annabel Marsh was an optimist, a romantic who truly believed that everything happened for a reason. This vision, then, was happening for a reason. What she was being shown had deep meaning. She was being offered insight, a special kind of insight, reserved for those in need of liberation. 
and then the previously still water stirred before her. Ripples were forming at its centre. Annabel observed a swelling beneath the surface. Something was emerging from the heart of the dock. It was a human head, a sopping wet pate. Was it the hotelier, that plain-faced man who had seemed so inconspicuous to her? Or was it someone who looked just like him, someone equally unmemorable? Then the person said, through soggy lips, Have you seen enough, Miss Marsh? Annabel found herself nodding automatically. The man in the water beckoned to her, cords of seaweed betwixt his clammy fingers. It was the hotelier. She was sure of that now. He deemed it necessary to show her this place, the harbour and the dilapidated boats. There was more to the man in the brown suit than met the eye. Of this she was absolutely certain. Annabel obeyed the summons. Back across the beach of pebbles she strolled, till her naked feet came into contact with the icy waters. In she stepped, wading deeper and deeper into the murky pool, till she was within arm's reach of the sodden hotelier. Extending her hand, the plain-faced man took it, and together they sank like stones. Annabel opened her eyes. She was lying in the tub, the scent of lavender permeating the air. The water was still warm, but the foam suds had all but dissipated. The boneyard, she whispered significantly. I've been to the boneyard. What the boneyard was, was a fact she'd learn later that evening, when the curious hotelier, whoever he was, came knocking at her door. Thanks for listening today. Join us again tomorrow for the next part.